Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me today on the Above180.com podcast is Mike Shady. Mike is a member of the Ebonite Pro Advisory staff and is a USBC Silver Certified Coach. He bowled collegiately for the University of Nebraska, Mike has over 25 years of teaching experience in the sport of bowling. He has two USBC Eagles, one in 2005 and one in 2011. For more on Mike, check out ppbowling.com, ppbowling.com. Mike, Tim Berg here. Thanks for joining me today. Well, Tim, it's always a pleasure to, to be in a show with you and talk bowling. Uh, as you know, it's my passion, and uh, you've got a great show and great topics, and looking forward to tonight. Well, Mike, a lot of the fall leagues now are a couple weeks in. A lot of people, though, don't like to bowl. Some of take the summers off. Maybe they hit, you know, pick up the golf clubs in lieu of bowling, or just sometimes just take a break. Is it good to take time off both mentally and physically from bowling? I, I think mentally it can be good for you. You know, some people need to get away from it. Uh, uh, now, when you talk, you know, we're, we're done up here on the uh, end of April, and if you don't pick it up until September, that's that's probably a little excessive, uh, but mentally it's good to get away. But physically, if you've got a you've got a technique flaw or deficiency somewhere, and and uh, by taking time off and hoping when you come back that it's going to be cured or or in, in better form, uh, that's that's a bit unrealistic. Um, but uh, you know, with that much time off, I always recommend to my students it's it would be a great idea if you could get and just do some skill drills. Uh, whether it's you know some timing drills, some one-step drills, um, release drills, whatever it may be, just to develop uh, you know some touch one-step drills, or that is the drill I personally always use when I take some time off. That's the first thing I go to is it develop some some touch at the bottom, uh, develop some timing, and really frees up that swing, and and um, uh, that 
that's what I would recommend. But, you know, too much time's not good. Mentally, some time is good, but physically, I don't, I, I, I don't, I've never had a bowler that I've worked with they've, where they've had some success of taking three, four months off and they came back and if they had a, a timing or a footwork issue that it was cured, I don't think that's going to happen. What do bowlers do or what should we do if we get into a situation where we're, we're going to bowl a tournament, it's tournament playtime, and we know that for whatever reason, topography, the left side of the lane just always plays a little bit better. I mean, do we skip those tournaments? Do we say, I'm not going to bowl there? Or do we just say, you know what, I'm going to make the best of this and I'm going to do what I can. And, you know, there, it's not, not every lefty is going to make it. There's going to be righties that are doing well as, as well. Well, you know, it's, there there is two sides of that, two ends of that spectrum. One one bowler is, is uh, you know, it depends on what your what your mental makeup or as I refer to some bowlers, what what's inside. You know, I can't read a heart, but some bowlers with all the information, uh, the lane the lane graphs today, and, and knowing the patterns, and and now that we've got names on these patterns, and going back to the same house, there's a house characteristic. Some of those bowlers, if they, they do that two, three times and, and they don't play well in that specific pattern or they don't match up well in the environment at the, at the center, they may, uh, they may take that week off or, or just avoid that tournament. But on the other hand, I like to use uh, this method, and that's you know, you, you, you got to prepare. you gotta, you got to recall when you're done with a tournament. I've always, in my career, I would – I didn't have a good tournament. I would reflect back on it, see where my weaknesses were physically and even mentally, and really try to develop that part of my game and go back uh, to that event the following year or to the next tournament and try to improve on my last performance. And I think that's the way to attack it. Uh, and, and I think anybody who's got a a, uh, a B game or a C game, somebody who's got some deficiencies in and where they're trying to play at a, in a tournament or, a, or an environment or even a different lane surface, they can get better in it. And uh, I, I would, if I had a student and he was wanting to take a week off, I would, I would tell him that, uh, you know, you're going to run into more events just like this last one where you may not match up, and you got to get better in that area. That's how you mature as a, a, a player. That's how you grow, evolve, and. And uh, that's my philosophy. So I would go down that that uh, philosophy more than, than trying to skip it. All right, Mike. Well, talking about lane playing strategies, how should a bowler play the lanes different regarding a sport pattern versus your typical house patterns? Well, sport patterns, the ratios are always going to be a little flatter. Uh, and and the, the margin of error is, is much less on sport patterns than it is in a league pattern. So... I, I get a lot of bowlers who I work with, a lot of players who get frustrated when they go to league and they, they put a lot of time into their games. And, and many of the players, the league bowlers, who don't spend much time developing their games actually uh, bowl as good or better than them in league. And I remind them that the margin of error is very high in league and, and you've you got to look at the entire body of work. Uh, so league, league, you can have some physical flaws, some deficiencies in your game and, and be fairly successful it, and the first thing I ask a player a new player I work with is ask what are your goal and if their their goal is to be a good league bowler I attack it much differently you know I league, league players I I'm going to try to get some timing built into their game develop a stronger release learn a little bit of 
of uh, the margin of error, how to create the highest margin of error, and, and I think he turned into a pretty good league player. But if you start bowling sport compliant patterns, you better have some skills. You you better be able to have uh, repeatable timing. You know that swing's got to be free. Um, you've got to have very little lateral movement from side to side in that swing. Your hand's got to be in a strong position at the bottom, and you better be in really good balance. And that's everything behind the foul line. You better know things across the foul line, such as lane play and different surfaces and how to read transition and how, how to sequence bowling balls. That's the big difference from a sport to a league pattern. You know, in a sport, it's all of those behind across the foul line league patterns just, you know, the, the playing field's level. So that's the mindset you got to have between the two. Mike, how much do you think bowlers should pay attention to different layouts and dual angle drillings and all that sort of stuff that we hear? I mean, bowlers, we have to know about the surfaces and changing, and that's very important. I want to hit on that next. But how much should bowlers really pay attention to those sorts of the technical things where it just starts getting information overload and now they're, you know, their heads are exploding? Well, I, I think it's a little overrated. Uh, I've I've tried about every layout to mankind uh, personally, and and uh, and most of my players I work with. What I find out is there's only two layouts, maybe three, that really match a player's whether it's an axis tilt, your axis rotation angle, your ball speed, your RPM load. And, and when bowlers start to get into the the many different layouts and and uh, uh, the different uh, uh, different vendor bowling balls and cores, and, and they it is it becomes information overload, and and they they start focusing on the I guess the uh, the, the secondary influence of, of what makes you a successful bowler or the important factor instead of the primary, and that's find out one or two layouts that work well for you. Adjust surface management in bowling balls is primary overall. I tell all my players if you have the the right surface, you should be able to match up the most environments. If you have the wrong surface but have the right layout and the right ball, you will be. It'll be very, very difficult and very challenging to match up. Surface is the key, and you can change ball motions with these Avalon pads um, from two balls to four to four to eight, and, and then there's other ball motion tools that I've taught in my camps over the years, and. And that's ball speeds and, and different uh, axis rotations with your hands and loft zones. So you can take a couple different bowling balls and really turn them into um, many, many different ball motions without trying to make it too complicated. But, Tim, you are exactly uh, uh, spot on when you say that it, it is information overload. And, and uh, I, I see it a lot where a lot of my players, they focus on bowling balls and layouts, and they really feel... That, that's going to take them to the next level. And it's it's a secondary influence. It's kind of a tweak. So I, I don't try to get carried away with that too much. Okay, Mike, I'm looking at uh, you had held a camp back and uh, held a couple camps over the summer. One of them you said, you talked about, and you talked about live transition, you know, tournament transition. Talk about that for bowlers because there's nothing more frustrating to a bowler and putting myself, this happened to me the last tournament I went to where, we're, you know, you're jumping pairs and that first frame, inevitably, you go four, seven, ten. Okay, <laughs> you know. So, and and you're the first bowler too. So lucky me, I guess. The 
point of that is maybe I want to not be the first bowler. Um, but the other thing is, how do you, you know, do you just almost have to make that move and kind of hope you're going to be in the right area? Or you, is that go back to your house characteristics of knowing the heads maybe are getting a little touchy and I, maybe I need to move in or do something? Or what, Talk about that and how you deal with that. Well, it, 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 the, the big factor is experience. Yeah, I can go out and build a bowler and, and, and develop the best technique uh, a bowler could possibly have, but you know that that's technique sharp, physically sharp. But you got to be competitively sharp, and that's where in my game today is I can get physically sharp pretty quick, but competitively sharp, I just don't bowl enough to see those transitions. Um, and when I'm out there more and I'm playing more, I, I see much quicker. So that's the first thing I would tell my bowlers: you've got to go out and play and, and pay attention to what's going on. But personally, when I see uh, I've always I always break the lane down into three the phases of ball motion the skid phase which is the most important phase because it sets up the the next two phases which is the roll and a hook phase when the skid phase starts to shorten because that's that's where we see transition you should start seeing either a four pin or you should see a two pin depending on how quick it transitions and when you see a four, when I see a four pin I and I, I knew I threw it well if I'm physically ball well. I know it's the, the phase, the first ball motion phase, the skid phase, has transitioned. So I got to make a, I got to make a decision. Do I have a spot to move left so I can increase that skid phase to where it started or close to where it started, and then I just kind of pay attention to who I'm bowling with. If I got guys that are higher RPM loads and they're inside of me, that may not be an option because they might have transitioned. That's part of the lane. So your other choices are. And I teach that in my camps is bowling balls. Obviously, if you've got the fortunate ability or opportunity to afford a nice arsenal of bowling balls where you can sequence to something that pushes that skid face a little bit longer, you, you've now adjusted to the transition. Another option would be ball speed. Obviously, higher ball speed, you increase the skid face, adjust to that, that transition. The other one is you can increase your axis rotation angle. That creates a longer skid face. And the last one would be loft. You know, Mika's great at loft. Some of those guys that do it for a living, loft is kind of a forgotten art. If you loft it properly with proper technique, that'll actually increase the skid face. So you've got to manage the skid face once you see transition. But the, the most challenging thing in bowling is, was it the lane or was it me? And that's where you got to be physically sharp when you get into an event. So you can see it quickly. You can't see it quickly and make those quick decisions unless you're out there competing because you have to be sharp in the competitive aspect or you're going to miss it. And if somebody else if somebody else misses it, or if you miss it and somebody else gets it, you just gave up a lot of pins. And i got a great example. Uh, I won a uh, senior doubles 1500 with Bobby Learn two years ago, and we bowled on the senior cheetah. And I don't bowl many regionals anymore. And, and as, the, as the cheetah kept transitioning, I kept making moves with my feet and my target. And the the team that was leading kept changing with bowling balls. They just kept balling down because because they kept managing the skid phase. And they never moved their feet or their target the entire qualifying block. And they had the same ball motion from start to finish. That's knowing transition, knowing how to manage a skid face, so all three ball motions are, are positively affected. So 
So you you got to get out there and you got to bowl. Mike, does it put you at a disadvantage if you've never bowled at a center and you're going there for a tournament? Uh, most of the time, a disadvantage. It's again, it's uh, with with today's environments, especially on a professional level. Coming out uh, and bowling a professional tournament, most of the guys you're going to compete against. A lot of those guys have ball contracts, so they now have a an arsenal of bowling balls. They've got everything sequenced in proper order. Uh, they've seen the pattern. They know how the pattern's going to transition, and they're they're ready based on their experience and and um, um, what they know how how to how to adjust to transition. Somebody brand new coming out, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's going to take some time to get to the to the point where you can see the transition, develop the, the arsenal of bowling balls, make make logical moves or right moves so you can uh, you can compete at that level. So I think somebody who doesn't bowl a lot and comes out, uh, you know, there's a learning curve. And you know, I just think when I first started as a professional, it was uh, it was a big uphill battle until you you just kind of saw the environment, saw the uh, the, uh, the transitions, and the other thing, too, is the arousal level, how to manage your anxiety. Uh, you know, you're bowling against guys who are, are very relaxed. Uh, they, they can focus strictly on uh, their physical game because they're, they're relaxed, they're mentally strong. And, uh, you know, I remember my first few tournaments when I first came out, it was, uh, you know, there was some anxiety. Uh, you, you're looking at who you're bowling. Um, so, yeah, there's a learning curve. And, Mike, I'd love to get your thoughts on the PWBA, which just finished up here over the last couple of weeks. I think it's a wonderful opportunity. I, I, you know, one of the frustrating parts of this sport is we've got the best coaches in the world today, the, 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 the best resources uh, for these younger players. And if you've ever been to a junior gold championship or a collegiate championship, there are a tremendous amount of great young players out there. And, and they deserve an opportunity to use those skills at a higher level and make a living doing it. And uh, what the USBC did with, with the PWBA, uh, giving those those players, you know, the younger players, an opportunity, the older players, the, um, the experienced players to go back out and have a venue to bowl and, and use their skills uh, at, at that level is, is outstanding. And there's been some great, great tournaments, great bowling uh, for this swing they had, and and a lot of fun to watch. Just a, uh, amazed at the younger players at how well they bowl today and can repeat and, and uh, just how competitive it is. And, and it's good to see some of the older players, too. You know, Carolyn's, Carolyn's still bowling at a very high level, and, and it just shows you that this is one of the few unique sports in the world where if you take care of yourself and you continue to uh, work in your technique and, and stay sharp, you can bowl for a long time at a very high level. So... But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for him. I hope uh, he continues to grow and give some of those other young players who are in college today a, a chance uh, you know, to continue on after college. And, Mike, one of my biggest takeaways from watching the PWBA both in person on extra frame and then on television is the fact that a lot of these gals really put their bodies in the right position, which then helps them generate rotation and rev rate. And really it seems like that's been a evolution of the ladies game, so to speak. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I worked with a, uh, I worked with a high school uh, girls team and a, and a boys team in Northern Wisconsin this summer. And, 
I've done that with other uh, schools as well uh, over the years. And every time I walk away, I always tell my assistants that the girls always have better technique than the guys. Their swings are, are more pure, more free. Uh, they're, they're, they're less, uh, there's less movement in their swings. And because of all that, they, when they get to the bottom, especially with the younger girls today, because we teach them a little bit different, we teach them to use that upper body to create the extra energy at the apex. So when it comes down, they can transfer that energy to release. They, they have really good hands today. Years ago, you never, you'd see a girl here and there, but, you know, Kelly Kulik was, was unique for a while and, and Michelle Feldman and, you're seeing many, many players like that today um, that are fundamentally strong. I mean, they've, they've got those seven anchors that I teach. They've got them. And, and uh, again, it's all of that youth coaching today and, and uh, college coaching, and, and it's evolved into a, a really high-level player. But I've always thought that the female player has had better swings, and now that they're using some of those other biomechanics, they've got more energy weight for them at the bottom, and they can – increase that RPM load at the, at the bowling ball. So, yeah, they, uh, they're fun to watch. All right, Mike, final question for you here regarding high school bowling. I interviewed Gary Beck, and if you want to check that out, go to above180.com. But we talked to Gary. You know, Gary runs the teen master tournaments, and we were talking about high school bowlers and what they should be allowed, you know, to basically receive as part of their bowling, you know, when they're bowling these events and bowling from, from companies. And you know Gary's of the you know of the opinion that they should not be allowed to be on a, a con you know on, have a contract with the ball manufacturer because it's not you know it's not it, it breaks the you know the the high school bowling you know rules it's against the rules basically and I want to see what your thoughts are on that you know we we kind of you know we talked and we just kind of you know we, I I kind of agree with them frankly that it, it's not we're going down a very slippery slope but I want to see what your thoughts are on you know, high school bowlers and, you know, really what they should be allowed to receive as far as equipment and accessories goes? Well, being, being a little familiar with, with athletic departments in high schools, it, it, if you're going to be consistent with other sports, you know, you'd have to say no. Um, you, you, because you, the reason we have the, the PIAA in the state of Pennsylvania or the WIAA in the state of Wisconsin is just like college to try to create an equitable playing field. And when you start, uh, and, I, and I've been with Ebonite, and I've been uh, blessed by being with Ebonite over 20 years, and, and they are a wonderful company. But when companies like Ebonite and Brunswick and, and Storm start giving certain high schools product, you've now created a playing field that's not level. Um, and, th- and that's a disadvantage because there's a, there's a lot of high school kids who don't have those contracts I can't afford those bowling balls. Now, I know if the ball manufacturers could afford to sponsor all those programs, they, they would. There's just too many and you can't. So they pick and choose you know, the more successful programs. So, yeah, I agree with both of you, uh, you and Gary, that you know, if you want to maintain an equitable playing field, you've got to really uh, deny or, or decline any of those those contracts that these balls companies that they represent. Now, when you go to college, that's a different, totally different ball game because it goes on all sports in college. But, but um, in high school, yeah, I, I think you, I think you gotta, you gotta keep it as is. The other sports, the other sports, uh, you don't see Nike sponsor certain football programs and 
because if they could, they'd have most of those Texas programs and some of those Oregon programs. So, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. All right, and final question, Mike. Talk about uh, you mentioned Ebonite and your relationship and you know your sponsorship with them. Talk about some of the latest pieces by Ebonite. I know. All, all the stuff you see and hear, all the buzz you hear about their equipment is, you know, everyone is doing a great job these days. But talk about some of the, the Ebonite pieces you're uh, really happy to have in your bag. Well, I'll talk about the, the three that uh, the the Ebonite uh, brand came out with. And then I'll talk about a, a piece from Track. Uh, um, the Ebonite, the, the, we come out with a Warrior. It's uh, uh, the first time I threw it was uh, early summer. And it's one of those balls that's, um, it's got a it's got a shinier cover stock, but uh, it it uh, kind of remind me of when you first threw the one years ago. It, it was uh, boy, there's something different about this ball. So clean through the front, grabs the mid lane, and and just continues on the back end. Really like this ball, kind of a benchmark ball. That's the Warrior, and then we came out with a uh, a um, GB2 Gold, the Game uh, Game Breaker 2 Gold, which is a pearl version of the Game Breaker. And, you know, that, that's pretty much just the name alone. People, are, when they see Game Breaker on it, it's the old Vortex Corey, you know what you're going to get. And that ball's probably, I think, all the testing I've done on it, about three to four boards less hooked than the Game Breaker 2. So, again, great for people who, are, who love the Game Breakers. Uh, when you see transition, you know, the Game Breakers is starting to transition a little too quick for you. The, sh- the skid phase is shortening. It would be a great sequence ball to go to. And the other ball we came out with is the Adrenaline Shot. Now, this ball has got the old uh, Adrenaline Core, um, which was one of my favorite years ago. And it, it's uh, a ball that's really, really good on a fresh, especially sport-compliant, flatter patterns, gets through the front clean, grabs the mids. It's really predictable at the back. I've, I've had a lot of success with that this summer, throwing on patterns that are uh, flatter and really two or three games out of out of the first block and then when that's skid phase because there's quite a bit of surface on mine you know, I would go to something that uh, is less uh, less early something higher RG but those three balls are new ones really good looks um, and I think uh, once the consumers use them uh, they're going to like it and obviously the GB2 is going to get a lot of buzz just because of the name but I tell you the, the ball that's got all the buzz on right now is the track paradox and uh, it, is, it is a pretty unique ball. It's asymmetric. It's clean through the front. It's strong in the mids. Most asymmetric balls that you get with those characteristics quit at the back. This ball does not quit. And I'll be honest, I don't know if I've ever seen or thrown something like this in a long, long time. The last ball that reminds me of this from Ebonite was the Blue Wolf, which is 20-plus years ago. And, and it, it's hard to compare that because it, it's a different generation. But this this track paradox, I watched some guys with, with much higher RPM loads than myself throw it in a, in a pretty competitive tournament in July in Pittsburgh, and it was the same thing. It was it was clean, it read the mids, strong, and it just kept going. And, um, and I can tell you this, Rob Gotcha, who is the marketing manager for Ebonite right now, he's about as picky of a ball tester as you'll ever find. And he said this is the best ball he's ever put in his hands. So I think the Paradox, I think you're going to see uh, a lot of success with that ball with bowlers, and, and uh, I think they'll be pleasantly surprised on how good that ball is.
And Mike, before we go, I have to remind bowlers, check out bowlingthismonth.com, the online technical resource for bowling. Lots of great insight and info there. Heather Dierico has a great piece out uh, looking at it now. Uh, just a ton of great information at the ball reviews on your left-hand side. Uh, Rob Montner is talking about timing, which is something that all of us seem to, especially getting back in the fall league here, Timing sometimes can be an issue for folks. Uh, saw an article, you know, talking about tournament play, how to play the lanes and prepare for when you go and bowl tournaments. We're all getting back into those tournaments, scratch, handicap, etc. Working the inside of the bowling ball again, something you'll hear and see from all the pros out there. So great stuff. Check out bowlingthismonth.com. Instant access right now. Money back guarantee. Don't delay, folks. Check it out. Bowlingthismonth.com. Check out Mike Shady's website. Peep ppbowling.com that's ppbowling.com peak performance bowling you can check out uh, mike's gonna be doing more coaching over the you know next summer and what he's what is what he's up to and uh, mike you do have some dvds and some other ways people can get you know you can help them out uh, while you're you know doing your uh, doing your thing back there but you know great stuff as always check out ppbowling.com got the looking at it right now you, you got the dvds which talk about the anchors that you mentioned talk about some skill drills and all sorts of fun stuff in there so again it was a pleasure having you on mike and all the best i appreciate it tim and uh thanks for the the chat always fun to talk ball with you and, and have a great bowling season